Well, good morning. And a warm welcome to worship on this last Sunday before Christmas. There are a number of intimations, so we'll get through these things first. Um, first of all, whatever you may have heard, and I'm sure most of you did hear the somewhat um, concerning news um, yesterday and last night about the virus and about the consequences of that. Um, the church remains open, and so we will be open on Christmas Eve for our watch night service. We'll be open on Christmas Day. We'll be open this week on Tuesday, Thursday mornings, and on Wednesday evening. So we will be open, uh, and we'll continue to be open throughout the Christmas and New Year period. So that's the positive thing. Um, now, obviously, we're encouraging people to stay on Zoom, those of you who are on Zoom, to stay on Zoom for the watch night service, um, but the church will be open, and we will be having a watch night service. I'll be doing it live from here, so that's a positive thing. And on Christmas Day, it's not on Zoom or anything, but again, we'll be open, and there'll be a, an appropriate service for that day. So that's the positive thing. Um, however, um, just really advance notice, uh, I certainly wouldn't feel comfortable at least starting any of the fellowship groups in the church hall until we have more information just about how this thing works out. And so they won't be restarting, especially the one in the Wednesday afternoon. I'd be concerned about that. A number of the folks come to that are quite vulnerable in terms of their health. And so until I get some more information about that, it certainly won't be restarting the first Wednesday of the year. I'm sorry about that, but I certainly don't feel comfortable at hosting it. I am quite open to things, but I don't want to be doing anything to I know and more about what this present situation involves. So the church will be open, and we thank God for that, but there will be some changes, certainly for the first few weeks of the new year. Um, to the congregation here, it's lovely to see you, but as I was saying this morning, um, I really am going to have to say, please do not mill about after the service, talk to each other, um, go out, um, spaced out um, at a time, I'll be outside, and once you're outside, at a social distance with all the rest of it, then you can talk, but please not inside the sanctuary, okay? Um, just again, until we know more of just about what the situation is, I want to err on the side of caution, because churches are being allowed to be open. In fact, we're going to be the only place apart from essential supermarkets that are going to be allowed to be open, and that's a positive thing, but we have to err on the side of caution. Positively, it was great to see, and thank God, and I mean that very reverently, we had communion last week um, because 80 or 81 people came uh, over eight services and shared in communion, and it was a real blessing to me, and I know it was an encouragement to those who came, so thank you. For those who weren't able to come for various reasons, then God willing, we'll be able to do something similar come Easter time, and well, again, we'll deal with that as, as that time arises. Your generosity as a congregation, those of you who came, your generosity, I would say nearly 900 pounds has been given in for the work of the Glasgow City Mission, and that's very encouraging. There was some more money left um, just on Friday at the big plate there, and I've added it to the rest of the funds, and Janice has already got um, a substantial sum of money. If you want to make a gift to the City Mission, and you haven't been able to do that, and you don't want to do it directly, then you'll either have to hand it into the manse or to the church when it's open, and please write on the envelope at Glasgow City Mission, or if you're here this morning, you could leave something in the plate as you leave. Um, because Jan also want to get all that sorted out and sent away before, well, by Christmas. But thank you for your generosity. I know that will be greatly appreciated by the City Mission. As a church, in various ways, we have helped people over this past year. I have two bikes sitting in, well, I actually have four bikes in the garage. Two are sitting as remnants of the days when I used to go on one. <laughs> Bill will notice there, gathering dust and getting somewhat rusty. Uh, I keep saying to myself, someday I'll go out in it. But in two boxes, 
Um, again, thanks to Bill for bringing them. Two boxes. Um, the Sunday School has given a gift which will allow a family within our community which is struggling to be able to have a gift at Christmas time. And so some bikes, um, food, and a number of other gifts are being distributed to some families which, who are in need. And so I thank you for your prayers and thank those, they know who they are in the congregation who have been very generous over this past 10 months and have provided on a regular basis support to one or two situations within the church. And I want to thank them for that. As a church, we've also given out um, tokens of our care to the primary schools, the two primary schools, the two non-denominational schools, the New Edge and I think some grammar, and also to the two nursing homes within the community, again as a token of our care and our concern. And in various other ways, over these past months, we have sought as a church not to jump in the bandwagon, because there was a bandwagon <laughs> about all of that, but quietly, as it should be, and almost in an unknowing way, we have sought to help people and to seek to bring something of the care and love of Christ. But that's only been possible because of your prayers, of your kindness, and your generosity. And I want to thank you for that. We are living in challenging times, and no doubt there is a concern about the mutation this virus has. They hope that it's not more deadly, and no doubt they're hoping that the vaccine will still work. But until that's been really clarified over the next few weeks, we do all need to err on the side of caution. If you were thinking of having a family gathering, I would really urge you to be very careful about that. Um, at the present time, some of us, especially those of us who have not been out mixing with people, then to go into someone's home, maybe we haven't been out at all, our immunity to anything will not be very high. Well, I'm just urging you all to be very careful over these coming few weeks until we're clearer and surer as to the way ahead. A couple of weeks ago, just when the vaccine came out, one of these professors that gets wheeled out onto the radio or the television was boasting, that was the word I would use, boasting, that here was evidence of human ingenuity and having victory over the virus. And Elizabeth will tell you, she was sitting across the, the, the lunch table, and I, the, right away, the verse in the Bible, beware he who stands, lest he fall. You're not like this, but we must pray that there would be a recognition of our need of God and of his wisdom and of his guidance in these challenging days. He will not be mocked, nor will we have glory taken from him. And so we need to pray for those who, not just for our leaders, our political leaders, who I really feel for, but for those who are advising them. We thank God that we know some who are, who are men of faith, but there are many others who are not, and we need to pray that they would acknowledge God and the need of God in these challenging days. We're going to begin our service on a Christmas note, despite the fact I'm sure all of us, including myself, are thinking, you know. Um, nonetheless, we're going to start our service on that Christmas note. During the past week, we've shared the story of Mary with some of the fellowship groups that met or some of the folks that met for communion and also the whole setting of Bethlehem. As I've said to people, Bethlehem was really not the place you'd be going to go and have a baby. It was not a nice little town all covered in snow and very hygienic. As I said, I don't know what the COVID inspectors would think of it. Um, and yet God's purposes were fulfilled in the most unlikely and indeed inhospitable environments. And we're going to think just for a few minutes later on of the story of Joseph from Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. 
And so let's hear God's word together. I'm afraid I've always got my specs on. Definitely. Even I think during the week I was having to wear them all the time, wasn't it? I was, I was, I'm going to let an old man looking over my specs at folk. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but that's a lot better, isn't it? Um, let's read from Matthew chapter 1 and reading from verse 18. This is the word of the Lord in this day and in this generation. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until, she'll give, until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Amen. And may God indeed bless to our hearts the reading of his word. Let's worship God together as we watch our opening video. I think it's the children, isn't it? Is it? Is it? Well, I think, I think it's maybe the children doing away in a manger. Okay, right. <laughs> Sorry about that. So that's all been quiet for the last, oh well, you heard it, didn't you? Well, that's important. Because the God that's revealed to us in the Bible is real about people. Uh, he, he, he's about a real situation, about a real world, about real people. That's his concern, not some paper mache kind of artificial kind of set piece scene, as I say, as we said during the week, the scenes of the, the crib and, and everything, which is lovely, and the snow that we see in our Christmas cards and the glitter and everything else, all looks nice but actually is far removed from the realities of the world. Far removed from the realities of the world when Jesus was born and far removed from the realities of the world today. And so we give thanks that God is honest, that he actually reveals things as they really are. And the Christmas story is all about that. As I said at the beginning, Bethlehem was certainly no great place to go. In fact, as people even say nowadays, if they go and visit um, Bethlehem, it's a bit of a dump. And it was a bit of a dump when Jesus was born. Jesus was born in, a, in a, perhaps a pigsty, or, a, or maybe not a pigsty because they were Jews, but in a, you know, in, a, in a bar, in a bit of a mess. And this story we read today of Joseph is a story of a real man with, with reflected on a real woman. Let's be honest, you know, ladies, 
if the angel Gabriel appeared to you, Ashley, and said that you were going to conceive by the Holy Spirit, well, you'd be a wee bit taken aback by that. Um, and so was Mary, a young girl. And, and then having to go away from her family and having to give birth in that awful environment with Joseph, a pretty poor, I mean, you can imagine, a, you know, kind of handless guy who hadn't even been with his wife. <laughs> you know, where does this come from kind of thing? You can just imagine the scenario. And here we have Joseph trying to come to terms with the very real challenge. And the Bible is honest about that. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And as I've said many times in front of this church, well, that's a you one, isn't it? Your girlfriend coming up to you and saying, um, well, you know, I'm actually expecting a baby. <laughs> it's not you because, well, we haven't slept together, but it's the Holy Spirit. The band played Believe It If You Like. And we read that because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And one cannot be surprised at his response. And it's not just an outward kind of legalistic response. Can you imagine the sense of being cheated, the sense of hurt, the sense of betrayal, the sense that here was someone that you had thought that you would spend your life with, that you had probably viewed from afar. Yes, in Jewish culture, there was arranged marriages and all the rest of it, but there's no suggestion that there wasn't a genuine bond there growing and developing. And here now is this woman, supposedly to be a virgin, and now this. And perhaps in some ways, Joseph was quite glad that they were going away out of the scene of Nazareth. It too was a bit of a backwater. In fact, it was a, one of these places, you know, that folk used to joke about as we oh, come from Nazareth, you know. Sorry for you. A bit of a one-horse town as well. Plenty of them in ancient Judea and in Jerusalem and in Israel. And so let's get away from there. And so it was Fairted commas, convenient. It just was at the right time that the Roman Caesar and then the Roman governor organized a census for a poll tax. And Joseph had to go to Bethlehem because, and Luke particularly makes it clear, he was the house and line of David. In fact, both Matthew and Luke in the opening chapter has a long list of names of people, most of whom you wouldn't even want to pronounce. But at the beginning of chapter 1, we read this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah. And so it goes on. David was the father of Solomon, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam. And so it goes on after the exile, verse 12, Jaconah was the father of Sheltiel, so on, so far. And then right down to the very bottom, verse 16 of chapter 1, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the mother of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. He was of that line. He descended from David. A distant descendant, but a descendant of David. 
And so he had to go to Bethlehem. And so we're told in Matthew that he decided he would take Mary along and he was going to, didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Basically, he would go to Bethlehem, they would go together, and then when they came home, they would just go their own ways. And nothing more would be said. Because you see, in the older versions make this clear, Jesus, Joseph rather, where husband was faithful to the law, he was a righteous man. The older versions translate it as that. And when the Bible speaks of a righteous man, a righteous woman, it's not just somebody who kept a moral code, who ticked the boxes, because in many ways, if he was purely that, he'd have been quite right to drag Mary by the hair out into the public square of Nazareth and have her stoned for adultery. He'd have been quite justified. Remember later on in the ministry of Jesus, the woman caught in adultery and what was going to happen to her? Joseph could have done that and said, I fulfilled the law. I'm a righteous man. But when the Bible speaks of righteousness, it speaks not only of an outward conformity to morality, that is part of it, but an inward state of heart, a heart that's right with God. And if it's right with God, it also beats with the passion of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the concern of God, the yearning of God. And Joseph's heart was right with God because, at least in part, he was only human like we all are. He no doubt had his bad days as well as his good days. But in his heart, he wanted to do the right thing by Mary. And interesting, the Bible story tells us that he'd come to his mind that that's what he was going to do. Go to Bethlehem, sign up, and then quietly when they came home, just. But an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. There certainly was plenty of angelic ministry going on at the start of the life of Jesus on earth. And an angel comes to him and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Here was someone who was seeking to do the right thing. Let's be honest, over these past weeks and months, we've been seeking to do the right thing. I was joking earlier, how true it is now that if somebody was just to arrive at the door, you almost need to have either a, a, a computer tablet or a tome, a book, with all the rules and regulation. Just wait a minute before you cross over the threshold as to whether in Scotland and Auchenshugel you're allowed to come in, whether if in your Aberdeen it's a wee bit different. And it can become very confusing to really discern the way ahead and to know what we're going to do. And when eventually we do that, often we think, well, that's what I'm going to do. And it's been quite interesting over these last 10 months to see how that's played out and been impacted amongst the members of the congregation here. And those who have worked out what they're going to do, which often has been quite different from what others have worked out what they're going to do. But the point of working out what we're going to do is we're also open to consider the alternative. And Joseph was willing to do that when the angel of the Lord came to him. He wasn't stubborn. Now, let's be honest, ladies. Sometimes we would say that one of the failings of men is that they're stubborn, even when they're wrong. 
We get ourselves into a position. We've made up our mind, and there's no way we're budging. Choose you know like that. Eh? Yvonne <laughs> nearly fell off her seat there. <laughs> and there's a strength to that, a conviction to that. And that's right, and perhaps that's one of the reasons why the Bible would suggest that, for instance, men to be leaders in the church, because we can be a bit more kimble. That's what we're going to do. But we also have to be open to what God and others have to say. And Joseph shows that quality. An angel appears to him in a dream and no doubt confirms what he already had heard from Mary. He was no doubt suspicious of what she had to say, but when the angel came, well, that was confirmation. God, through his angelic messenger, spoke what is conceived is from the Holy Spirit. And not just confirming what Nibi had heard and clarifying the situation and causing him to rearrange his thinking and redirect his way ahead, but also he is given instruction. She will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus, which actually was a very common name in the ancient Israel, because he will save his people from their sins. You're sure. And whether the angel shared this bit or whether this is the writer from Matthew telling us to help us to confirm what we're reading, it goes on to tell us that all this is to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. You see, my friends, to be a man of God is at times to be clear as to what we should be doing. To take the lead spiritually and in other ways in our family life and in our national life and life of church. But it also means that we take seriously what God says through this book. That, that is the determining guidance and leading. As the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and applies it into the hearts and lives of the people of God. Paul was visiting me on Friday afternoon just to speak through what we're going to do today, and he was sharing that in his own heart and, and verses that had particularly spoken to him and that had really made him think. And, and I'm going to read these verses to you from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians 6 and verse 10, these verses, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And God takes His Word and speaks into our lives a word of direction, a word of counsel, a word of correction, a word of warning. And as God takes that word, it might even be something we've heard before. 
and read before, but suddenly it comes, and as the sword of the Spirit, it comes with a fresh relevance and a fresh point, and this is the Word of the Lord for perhaps this day or this particular situation. And this certainly was the experience of Joseph, God's Word, as a man who probably served within the synagogue in Nazareth. He certainly was known in the synagogue. The Gospel writers suggest that. Look in particular later on when Jesus returns to Nazareth and they know of Joseph and of his family line, then he would have heard the prophet read out, the prophet Isaiah, and the verse, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He'd have heard that umpteen times perhaps, but in a new way, in a fresh way, God's Word spoke into him at that moment to confirm what was happening, to give him confidence for the future, and to give him direction as to what you should do. And my friends, how we need God's Word like that today. I do pray over these last 10 months, with all my faults and failings, we've heard God's Word. A word of warning right at the very beginning from the prophet Isaiah to retire into our homes and to pray. A word of challenge not to be tossed about by all that might be going on round about us. A word to call us to stand up, to take heart, to, to not take the easy option, to be, be strong. A word of direction as to what it is to be the church. A word of encouragement as God promises and offers us wisdom. A word of comfort that he is Emmanuel with his people. And so Joseph wakes up. Very simply, we're told he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. The same message that the angels shared with the shepherds, remember, as they not washed their socks, but watched their flocks by night. And the angels came, remember, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those in whom his favor rests. The people of God who know the favor of God and the grace of God, and the mercy of God. Joseph never lived to see what that fully meant. By the time Jesus began his public ministry, Joseph has died, and his mother is widowed, and there is other family, family of Joseph and Mary. Many of us journey through life, and we pray, and we believe, and we know that God has said something, perhaps to do with our family. Already I mentioned Jim Dow in the past, praying for his family, 
yearning to see spiritual life grow within his family and me saying to him, well, perhaps it'll be when you've passed on and the family read through the Bible that you had left and the things you had left that perhaps not just Helen but others will be encouraged to believe. Some of us will not see this side of eternity, our prayers being answered. Joseph didn't, but he knew. He knows because he believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And so in these challenging days, as we wonder what the future has in store for us and the uncertainties of this present time, and with all the questions and the wonderings that go on in our minds, not just for ourselves, but for our nation, for our community, all of that, we could easily be overwhelmed if we wanted to be. But as people of faith, we don't. We hear God's work. The one who speaks into the chaos and challenge of life. We hear him speaking into our hearts as by the Spirit of God, he takes the word and applies it to us. And like Joseph, we wake up and we do what he says. We hold on to his promises. We clothe ourselves in the armor he provides. We stand, and having done all, we stand. Not in our own strength, but in the promises and power of God. Yes, the Christmas story is a very moving story of God taking frail flesh and entering into our world. But it's also a moving story of how God dealt with frail people, folks just like us, and of how in mercy, but also in power, he took someone who was a nobody like Joseph, like Mary, and made them into servants of the living God. That's your desire, Paul. I know that. That's all our desires, I trust, this Sunday. Like Mary, we say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some music now. Paul, would you like to come forward and just stand there? You can take your mask off. Wait, once you're on the platform, you're in a mask-free zone. But that's why you're over there and I'm over here. <laughs> it's two years past, just about now, isn't it? That you just over two years. It was the, the village Christmas. We've shared that story. Paul shared that story in the church magazine some time ago. It was a village Christmas and the church was open and you'd popped over, I think, earlier on and then you came back and you came into the hall and everybody was away by that time. But Irene, bless her, in her usual spirit of hospitality, even though nobody else was there, said, oh, don't worry. I, was, I think I was talking to some other couple from Bordwell and she got you seated and gave you a copy of the church magazine and made you a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Bless her. And we got into conversation. And you shared a wee bit of your story then, of how God had been at work speaking, your dad's untimely passing with cancer. And I remember you telling me as you went up the stairs to visit him, who, and he was only in his, well, younger than me now, in great pain. 
and calling upon God if you existed to allow your dad to just go in peace. And that very night, he passed away. And instead of turning away from God, that was part of your journey to him. And then you went to a church, South Carantine Church, to do the funeral, to have your dad buried by a Protestant minister. And it turns out the fellow's there is the fellow who actually is helping out at Carmyle and at Camu. Uh, he's a lecturer. Um, people have told me, I hope he's not listening to this, that he's actually a bit boring as a preacher. <laughs> yes, your sister's told you that. But he's a university lecturer. And for somebody like yourself, an educated man, going along and listening to him, perhaps as a lecture, but explaining something of the faith that spoke to you. And then along the road, Ashley, bless you, and you came together and you settled out here in Uddingston and you decided it's maybe time to, to go to the church. We'll not say too much about who you went to first. <laughs> but God brought you here. And his hand of providence upon you and upon you, Ashley, has been very much obvious over these past times, including the fact when he came home from church, I believe, and said, we need to get married. And so we rejoice with you both and God's care and goodness of you both and of God's work of grace. And I know the men from the men's Bible study and a couple of the men are here today. I know the men in the men's Bible study have greatly enjoyed your companionship, your friendship, and your fellowship over these past, this past year or so. And so we give thanks to God for his work of grace and for his work of grace within your own heart and life. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we do come with thanksgiving today. We will right at the beginning give you thanks for the fact that even in the midst of these challenging times, you've reminded us and are reminding our society of what stands at the heart of Christmas. But we also thank you that today we can celebrate your work of grace in our lives. That as you spoke into Joseph's life and changed what he was going to do and made him a servant of the Lord and someone who gave the child born the name Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. So we thank you for the way that you've spoken into all our lives, each one of us gathered here, whether in church or at home, and particularly we thank you for the way that you've spoken into Paul's life. And for all the story of that up till this day, and for all the story that will continue into the days that lie ahead, we thank you for Paul and Ashley. We thank you for them as a couple. We thank you for the love that they have for each other and their love for others, not just their own family, but just for the concern. I know many of us have seen of both their concerns for especially the older folks in the church, and we thank you for that. And we thank you that they found here a wider family, a spiritual family, a church family, and again, I know that means much to them both. And we thank you for the way that you have confirmed your work of grace within Paul's life. 
number of us who come to the Saturday morning prayer meeting will remember the day when Paul came into it in a very simple but a very moving way testified in prayer to your cleansing work within his life. And so we celebrate with him. And we stand with him today. As we stand with each other, especially in these challenging times, how blessed are the ties that bind our hearts in Christian love. Brothers and sisters bound together as the people of God. And so we surround Paul and Ashley with our love and with our prayers. We stand with them as we will, literally, the congregation here in a minute or two, and I invite the folks at home, if they want to, to stand in their own living rooms where they are. But as we stand as a church family to affirm our support of them and to hear him testify afresh to his faith as he makes these vows, so come, O Holy Spirit, and do your work of confirmation within his heart and mind. We thank you that your word tells us that you stamp the seal of ownership within the lives of those that you have brought to yourself. And so, as you have done that, con confirm that stamp and sealing. But he would continue to know with growing conviction and confidence that his Redeemer lives, and that Redeemer is Jesus. Thank you for just what he shared about how even though through lockdown, Knowing that you were with him and Ashley was a, a great comfort and encouragement and a help. Lord, we can all testify to that. The one who is Emmanuel. And so be with them as a couple, as a family, and by your spirit be with Paul. As he confesses the faith. Once given. In Jesus Christ your only Son and our only Saviour. Amen. Would the congregation please stand? Paul, as a confession of your faith, we now ask you to answer these questions, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Christ who said, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father who is in heaven. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? I do. Do you promise to join regularly with your fellow Christians in worship on the Lord's day? I do. Do you promise to be faithful in reading the Bible and in prayer? I do. Do you promise to give a fitting proportion of your time, talents, and money for the church's work in the world? I do. And do you promise, depending on the grace of God, to confess Christ before men, to serve him in your daily work, and to walk in his ways all the days of your life? I do. May the Lord bless you and enable you faithfully to keep these promises. Paul's words.
from 1 Thessalonians. May the God of peace make you perfect and holy, and may you be kept safe and blameless, spirit, soul, and body, for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has called you, and he will not fail you. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we thank you for that testimony that Paul has just given to his commitment to you. And even as we've heard those vows ourselves, perhaps we've been challenged about our calling to equally confess the faith into which we have been baptized and into which we at one time, perhaps standing in the very front of this church or some other church, have confessed. We thank you for that calling to each one of us to be soldiers and servants of the living God, and we thank you for Paul's willingness to do that. Living God, since it's by your grace alone that we have been accepted and called to your service, we pray for you to grant Paul the confirming power of your Holy Spirit and to keep him worthy of that calling through Jesus Christ, our Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace and his strength this day and forevermore. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, King and Head of this church, and by the authority of the Kirk Session, we welcome you formally into the membership of this congregation. We would long to come, shake your hand, or give you a man hug. We better not do that. We're live streaming. But you know in your spirit the warmth of our love and of our care for you both. And we want to assure you that we will continue to stand with you in all that God has for you both in the days that lie ahead. I've got a gift for you. If you're very strict with the rules, you can leave it lying for 72 hours and not touch it. Um, and if you're not so bothered or you want to spray it with something, then you can. But just a small token, the Lion Handbook of the Bible, you were telling earlier about, we are talking Friday and before that as well, but the whole story of the Bible. Well, here's just a, a something to help you. I know you can go online and all the rest of it, but also know you like reading a book. Bless you, brother. Good. Um, and so, we trust that this will help you as you both grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll put it there. And you can all give a wee round of applause. Okay. Please be seated. I'm sure we're encouraged in our hearts to be able to share in that at this time and on this day. As you leave church this morning, there are, well, 
those of you who are here, if you're not, when you're at the church over these coming days, if you haven't already received, many of you have the prayer diary for 2021, then here's your chance to take one. So I encourage you to do that. And we have plenty of copies because normally we actually give them out to other folks as well outside of the church, but we can't really do that this year. So if you want, say you're a couple and don't want to fight over it, then you can get one each um, because we do have spare copies. There's also the Steadfast magazine for um, Christmas. We got it. I'm going to tell you here and now that the letter which I was asked to write for the magazine for Steadfast is exactly the same letter that you got in the church magazine, apart from, apart from the first paragraph. And Helen Uwe said when she read the first paragraph, now she knows why, well, I'm not the greatest at writing letters, because I say how I actually hate writing letters for magazines. But I didn't put that in your one, but I put it in the church one, the denomination one. So it's the same letter, so just pass that over. But there's other bits of information about the church, the United Free Church, and can I encourage those of you who don't normally get the magazine, again, we've got plenty of copies, can I encourage you to take one. They're available either over there or at the door as you leave. Do take them and do pray for the denomination as we go into a new year. We're going through challenging times and we need God's wisdom and guidance. I want to thank Helen Uwe for the way that she's put out every week, 40 past Sundays, her little thing, and we thank her for that. We appreciate that, and we know that many have been encouraged and, and been blessed by what she shared. We also thank Ian, Ian Macquarie, who faithfully has put out our prayer pointers for the coming week for the last 40 Sundays, and we thank Ian for doing that, as well as we thank Ian for his ministry last Sunday. They're going to have a wee break for a couple of weeks, well deserved. We pray God's blessing. On them. I mentioned that standing on the promises, and Paul, this is one of only the favourite hymn you have, and so we're going to stand and sing that together. Stand, well, not, we're not going to stand, we're going to stand, but we'll see the words and we can hum along. Okay. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship and confirming work of the Holy Spirit not only rest upon us but dwell within us this Advent season and forevermore. And the people of God said, Amen. Please be seated. <laughs> 